Good evening and welcome to Blast Beats and Bicycles here at 91.7 FM, McAllister College Radio in St. Paul, Minnesota. We've got Blast Beats and Bicycles on tap for the next two hours. We're going to spend our first hour with a couple of guys who have just launched a brand new band called Grief Collector. We're here with Brad Miller and Matt Johnson. Gentlemen, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Yeah, I'm really excited to uh, to get to know you and uh, learn a little bit more about the record and the band. Uh, I've been listening to the the new record on repeat basically the whole last week, and uh, it's oh, just awesome. been fantastic to listen to. Thank you. Yeah. So maybe for for people who aren't familiar with your with your work, can you maybe introduce the band and talk a little bit about who all you who, who you all are and and what you're doing in the band. Uh, my name is Matt Johnson. I play on the album guitar and bass. <clears throat> uh, Brad Miller. Uh, so That's me. Songwriter, wrote all the lyrics, uh, mouth guitared probably half or more of the guitar riffs for me to try to translate prior to recording the album. So, Who do we have singing? Oh, yeah, I forgot. <laughs> Robert Lowe. Very cool. And Robert's got a got quite a pedigree, but he's not from, from Minnesota. How did you guys get connected with him? I mean, he's one of the most prominent voices in Doom with Candlemass, and, you know, he's got a long history. How did you get connected with him? Uh, well, ultimately, like, Grief Collector was not meant to really see the light of day hmm. as far as uh, it was really put together for um, just a recording project. Um, with my last band um, breaking up, I kind of felt like there was this a void, per se, and um, I wanted some way to have some creativity still and, mm-hmm. and, and but not have to deal with four or five other guys and possibly having that fall apart again. So um, <laughs> that's why he called me. <laughs> yeah, that's literally. So I, I, um, I thought, um, who would be a musician that I could rely on and that I could work with? Mm-hmm. Um, because I'm a drummer, but I write, um, guitar riffs in my head mm-hmm. with my mouth and stuff. So I contacted Matt and, um, kind of mentioned what I had in mind and, um, we kind of went from there. Um, as far as uh, the Robert aspect of the band, um, obviously I've been a fan of Roberts for close to 30 years. Mm-hmm. Um, everything from Solitude Eternus to Candlemass to Last Chapter to Concept of God. Um, <clears throat> but the funny story is I realized I was friends with him on Facebook. Wow. Um, and so I, I messaged Matt and I said, how weird would it be if I just sent Rob a message <laughs> asking him if you'd want to play on some of these songs. So that's ultimately what I did. And um, I saw that he read my message and then he didn't respond for a while. So, um, but then he, then he, he responded. I asked him if he was interested, um, sent him the music and I didn't hear anything from him for over a week. Wow. So I thought maybe we were awful. Yeah. <laughs> so um, then about a week passed, I messaged him again, asked him, um, you know, if you listen to the songs and he's like, I'm in. Wow. And bam, bam. Heard. <laughs> That's one of his sayings. Um, and, and, and ultimately he's like, yeah, he's, he, he wanted to do it. And um, so that's kind of just things transpired and talks were made and, um, and he became, um, initially we weren't really sure what his role would be in Grief Collector, but as of today, well, even months ago, but as of today, since we're talking on the radio, you know, Rob is a permanent member of Grief Collector. That's fantastic. So that's by his choice. He, yeah. he's all in on the music. He, yeah. 
you know, all it took for him to, it was to hear, all it took for him was to hear the demos and, and uh, immediately he, you know, picked up on something classic sounding and that's fantastic. Right valley, so. And, and Matt, you, we, before the show started, we talked a little bit about the, the whole vocal style, you know, a lot of doom is characterized by the really heavy, brutal vocal. Did you guys think about him specifically because you wanted that vocal style that he's got, that more clean vocal, or was it just that you know he was so iconic that you had to get him? Yeah, I think uh, I don't think it had anything to do with his. Obviously, we can get Robert Lowe to be the man who won, right? <laughs> yeah, so that was always in the back of our mind, of sure. course. But you know, Robert's got such a character to his voice, and you know whether you're singing like super heavy style or a clean melodic style, one thing you know to me that intertwines between all doom. Is that I think that vocalist has to have what, what I call character or color, or color in his voice, mm-hmm. and so it's kind of like you know Don Henley, you know he has the, the golden throat, and kind of Rob is like that too, and so I think back then we didn't really think it was, you know, possible that Robert Lowe would want to be would want to sing in our band, yeah. but uh, we wanted something like that to begin with, mm-hmm. and uh, whether it ended up being a you know hybrid vocalist that can do both or add different elements, we were open to anything. But I think you know we both wanted something more along the classic melodic style that Robert, you know, yeah, that, that, that he does just naturally. So, and if on the album too, he does some hybrid stuff too. Where yeah, there's a couple instances where he really gets that yeah. guttural punch in there. Absolutely, he, he's got a lot of sneer sometimes. <laughs> you know, he's got that kind of. Um, almost i wouldn't say billy idol kind of thing but he's got that you know he's kind of got like that sneery kind of thing and he's got some really throaty stuff and um i think he kind of he really um captures everything that we that we wanted because he's Mm -hmm. definitely not a one-trick pony yeah i mean if you listen to his whole catalog i mean it's it's pretty impressive as far as what he can do and and we're looking forward to doing more of that with him in the future so Brad, you, you you mentioned that you weren't really thinking that this would ever see the light of day. As you reflect on that thought now with the album being out for a few months, what is what does it feel like? Oh, well, I mean... <laughs> He's very excited, as you can tell. <laughs> well, me and Matt were talking earlier when we were eating pizza. It's like, um, and with, for me, you know, Rob has been a, one of my favorite singers for, for, you know, almost three decades. And literally in the top five singers of all time for me. So, I mean, to even have this be something that, um, you know, I, I don't consider him as just a musician anymore. I yeah. Mean, he's, you know, we talk and we, you know, hang out and do things. So, I mean, we're friends. Yeah. And to me, being friends with Rob is even more uh, of a dream than it is to being a band with him. Because mm-hmm. that's just second. Yeah. You know, but... Um, He's a great guy, and 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 it's it's it, to even accomplish what we think we have up till now is pretty crazy. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. You uh, you talked a little bit about uh, Eric Carr being one of your influences as a drummer, Brad. Talk a little bit about what Eric means to you. I mean, we obviously had his birthday recently, um, and for those of you who don't know, everyone who listens to the show, of course, knows Eric Carr was in, uh, in Kiss, a very important part of that band's transition period, and so on. Talk a little bit about what he means to you. Well, um, the reason I am a drummer is because of Kiss. I mean, that's just a fact. Everybody knows that. Um, but it wasn't the fact that I thought they were great musicians because I still don't think that. Yep. Um, but to me, um, it was the, the stage show. Mm-hmm. That's why I like bands like Wasp and you know and Kiss and and, and bands like you know, Lizzie Borden's you mm-hmm. know stuff that have theatrics. But 
Peter Chris to me was a jazz guy. Yep. And that wasn't really my thing. Mm-hmm. But when Eric came in, he really brought that bombastic sound, you he know, did. war machine. You yep. know, I love it loud. Yeah. The drums were just there. Mm-hmm. And that was actually the reason for me is that was my first concert ever. Ah. Um, it was 1984, Civic Center, Kiss for Animal Eyes, and Queensryche opening for The Warning. Oh, oh, boy. And my mom took me there, so thanks, Mom. Oh, <laughs> so, wow. And I, I've only seen Kiss two times in my life, mm-hmm. and that was two years in a row, 84 and 85. Mm. Um, second year was um, Kiss and Wasp. Mm. It was... Um, what album was uh, Asylum for yep. Kiss, and yep. then um, um, Last Command for Wasp. Yeah, um, and so I, I got to see Eric two years in a row. Wow! And his drum solos were Off unbelievable. Yeah. He had electronic drums going on, which I don't think anybody <laughs> did at the time. Did that have God, God gave rock and roll to you? Did they play that? That that was, came out years later. That was Alive Three, wasn't it? That was that was yeah. That was towards like Hot in the okay. Shade or something. Yeah. Like that. But uh, to me, he just he just brought testing something. Him. I'm just testing it. It just it brought the heaviness. Yeah. You know, if you listen to the Animalized record, it's it's heavy. There's mm-hmm. some really heavy songs yeah. on that album. Um, so it and I was you know young and in you know he he was just an influence to me as far as just bringing like that heaviness to a band that I already liked. Yeah. And and I read articles about him and I mean he would always go out and talk to the fans mm-hmm. and he was very very friendly and and just a great guy and. And unfortunately, he died on the same day as um, Freddie Mercury. Yeah. And uh, his death actually got pretty overshadowed by mm-hmm. Freddie Mercury. So mm. that part is a little sad, to me at least. Um, but uh, I think he was a great drummer. Well, I, we, we share a, a passion for Kiss. I'm an ace guy. Ace, yeah. ace, ace is God. Ace to yeah. me was like the, the Joe Walsh of the Eagles. Yeah. That's what I, you know, he's like yeah. that rebel. He kind right. of, you know, he's that, uh, yeah, I, 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 uh, I'm a drummer, but Ace was like, my main guy in that band yeah. until uh, Eric, Eric Carr came in, yep. and then it was all Eric. That's awesome. Matt, who are some of your influences? I mean, who got you fired up about rock and roll? Oh, you know, I'm kind of a, you know, grew up at, with a 70s, probably, you know, AM rock is mm-hmm. what I grew up on. So, uh, of course, Tony Iommi, I mean, I couldn't not mention him. Uh, you know, and, you know, you name them, any guitar player from the 80s, you know, George Lynch, Eddie Van Halen, yeah. and all those guys, and not, and I certainly don't play like those guys at all, but <clears throat> I've always been more of a band guy, hmm. and so more song-oriented. Yep. So when I like a band, I'm not going to just like a band because they have a great guitar player. Right. And so to me, you know, the bands of the, you know, the, you could say the 80s hair metal was a, definitely an influence, mm-hmm. uh, and then all the, the heavy bands, you know, of that day, like Megadeth. And, yep. You know, Metallica and Slayer mm-hmm. and all those bands were, were bands that I really, really enjoyed. You know, Nevermore and yeah. Sanctuary mm-hmm. and getting a little deeper into the into the uh, you know unknown bands at yep. that time. You know, where I was super fans of. <clears throat> if I had to name one person, and I hope this doesn't sound cheesy, but I really love and respect Dave Mustaine for Megadeth. Yeah, and it goes more further than his guitar playing, and it goes a lot further than his, you know. The songs that he writes with Megadeth, mm-hmm. I just think of, you know, what a story to me, you know, you get kicked out of the largest band in the world. Yeah. And then it's just, it's just, it's a lesson in never giving up yep. and always moving forward. Yep. And I'm sure he's done a lot of things that have caused that to him to go backwards. But, yeah. But I mean, to think that he was where he was, mm-hmm. got kicked out of it and was able to build a band, you know, in many people's minds, 
better or bigger? You know, yeah. Your opinion is, you know, it's like, do you like Ozzy or Dio and Sabbath? Right. Like yeah, exactly. Tony Martin. <laughs> yeah, Tony Martin. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> You know, it, it is interesting, and, and I always sort of get a kick out of the fact that he got out of got kicked out of Metallica because he drank too much. Yeah, right, right, <laughs> like exactly. That's that's a big bar. That's a yeah, very high bar. Exactly, that's a high bar. Yeah, you got to in order to beat that. But, but yeah, well, I, just, how, I just really respect his his drive. Yeah. Know? How how did you guys get started down a doom path with with Grief Collector? I mean, what was the road to to what the band sound is? Well, Brad, uh, when he called me. You know, he had the whole thing planned in his head. You know, he was talking, you know, I, I want to do this type of album. I want it to be a concept album. You know, I want to cover the five stages of grief. And mm -hmm. as soon as I heard that, it just immediately, you know, caught my interest because mm -hmm. it just seems so unique. Mm -hmm. You know, I've, I don't know any other bands that have done that, you know, to take on such a heavy subject. And of course, being a doom metal, I mean, what's the perfect right. type of music to, to put that type of story to mm -hmm. or tell you know, people about that. You yeah. Know, it's, it's a really good genre of music, you know, so. Yeah, well, I mean, I came out of a, a doom sludge type band prior to Grief Collector <clears throat> um, called Among the Serpents. Um, so I have already delved into that. And a, a lot of the bands I've been in um, prior to that had, we always had elements of, of doom. So, mm -hmm. you know, because I always liked bands that always had um, you know, it wasn't just one-sided, you know, you could, you could get different things from them and you could get some doom. I was like, oh, that's kind of a doom riff. You're, you yeah. know, they kind of slow it down and stuff like that. So, I mean, I've always had, you know, I, Black Sabbath was a, a, a huge influence for me growing up, but it was more for me because uh, the lyrics were so mystifying, really. Mm -hmm. And then the music was so heavy. Um, so, I mean, it really, it brought a visual, yeah. you know, for, for me as a kid. Um, so doom has always had some type of, uh, you know, place in my heart. And mm -hmm. so I just, as I gotten older and, and have dealt with some experiences, um, it just felt like the right, um, you know, way to translate that. For yeah. Albums. So. so what, what led to the lyrical, uh, focus on the stages of grief? Um, well, and I had no intention of writing lyrics for this album, hmm. um, but so when, I, when when the the band was first talked about when I came to Matt with the idea, um, it was it was something that I knew I needed another outlet to to express myself through past experiences with life and you know depression and anxiety and loss of you know children and loss of family members. So um, I literally went through um, song lyrics from Candlemass, hmm. and one of the songs called um, Man of Shadows, uh, um, King of the Grey Islands, um, says the words, um, Collector of Grief. Mm -hmm. um, so I was like, Grief Collector. So I literally went into Google and just put in grief, and the first thing that popped up was the five stages of grief. Interesting. The very first thing in Google. So I thought to myself, what if we write, you know, a full album and nobody likes it? What if we, you know, put all this work in and it just goes nowhere? So what would be easier to just write five songs? But then it also coincided with the fact that there's five stages of grief. So right. it kind of just kind of just felt right. Um, and then I, you know, I told Matt about the concept and it just felt like we both have been through things. So it would be an easy thing for us to kind of... Um, write about and, and, and get a feeling about. So 
it really just came about, uh, you know, trying, it's like a healing process. Yeah. This album, for me at least. Um, all the lyrics are, um, you know, personal for me. Um, I wrote them through my vision, mm-hmm. you know, I, I can't, I can't see through other people's eyes. So for me, it's, I wrote them to how I felt depression and grief. Yeah. And that's what I like so much about the album is that it's so real, you know, uh, what Brad just said about the lyrics being from personal experiences and, you know, and even Robert shared some things that he's gone through. Hmm. And so, you know, it's three people making real music with real emotion. Yeah. You know, it, it just comes out honest. I think that way. Yeah, I mean, this wasn't... It makes it that much more enjoyable to listen right. to, you know? This wasn't written for, you know, to, like, let's write an album about grief and not know anything about it. Yeah. You know, it was... it, it All the all the words were um, written on purpose. You mm-hmm. know, they were written for a reason, and they came from a place that, uh, for me, once I wrote them, I, I felt a big weight off my shoulders. Yeah. So, and, it, and, it sounds, just listening to you talk about it, it sounds like it was kind of a catharsis for you in some ways absolutely. to put it together. Yeah, I mean, for me, it was... It was, you know, very cathartic and very, you know, um, something that I, you know, like this blackness has been lifted and, you know, I kind of put everything into these songs and then, you know, I can listen back and, and still know how I felt about that. You know? Yeah, I was going to ask you how that how it feels now after you've digested it a little bit, you know, you've gone through this whole process and yeah. put this raw emotion on record. How does it feel now three months after you released it? Well, for me, as as a drummer who, you know, writes some of the guitar parts and writes all the words, I mean, at least for the first album, mm-hmm. um, to me, it, 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 it makes, especially when I've heard people quote some of um, the lyrics hmm. or talk about how certain things have resonated with them mm-hmm. or, you know, this, you know, this line is super, you know, really heavy to them, you know. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's cool because, um, you know, I didn't have any intention of writing the words. Mm-hmm. I mean, I had the feelings, and but um, initially I asked Rob if he wanted to write the words, and he said, why don't you go for it, man? <laughs> <laughs> so I literally um, wrote the album, the words, in probably about a week or two. Hmm. And um, we edited a little bit in the studio just to, for the lines to fit. Because sure. we literally went into the studio, and Rob recorded the 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 vocals without ever knowing how to sing them. Wow. So all the melodies, all the lines, all the, the, everything was written in the studio on spot. Wow. So nothing, we never, we never had a pre idea of how the course was going to go. We never had any of that. All of it was written in two and a half days in Mankato in the basement in one of the coldest, um, Phantom studios. Yeah. The the coldest days on record. Wow. That's incredible. That's incredible. Negative 56, I think, windshield. <laughs> I, I hope it wasn't that cold in the studio. Oh, <laughs> uh, no. Just out on it. So uh, I want to I play a few of the tracks off, off the record. Awesome. The first one, the first full length off the record is Eyes of Fog. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell us a little bit about the song and what we should be listening for, Matt. Uh, well, this song is the, uh, let's see, it's the first step of uh, the grief process. And uh, I, if I remember correctly, uh, the opening riff was a mouth guitar riff. Mm-hmm. If you can imagine Brad going down, da la 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 down, <laughs> or something like that. And then, so we just knew the, the album had to open with this big, monstrous mm-hmm. guitar riff. Yep. And I think we achieved that. Uh, Brad can talk more about the lyrics and 
Yeah, I mean, for me, the um, you know everybody experiences grief and and depression and everything differently. But for me, I always felt like I was in a haze, you know, like I was in you know like almost didn't seem real, you know, like what I was going through, whether Mm -hmm. you know how something happened, I would just I would walk around like almost with eyes of fog. I mean, that's that's really how it came about. and well, let's let's give a listen, and we can talk a little bit more about it on the on the other side. This is Eyes of Fog off of Grief Collector's debut album.
All right, that was Grief Collector with the first song off their debut record. That was Eyes of Fog. You're listening to Blast Beats and Bicycles here at 91.7 FM, McAllister College Radio in St. Paul, Minnesota. Having a great conversation with the guys from Grief Collector, at least two of the three founders, Brad Miller and Matt Johnson. Uh, Matt, one of the things I noticed in that solo in, in Eyes of Fog toward the end is it's got this really muddy, thick tone to it. How did that sort of evolve? Uh, you know, when Brad and I started getting the songs put together, you know, they were just like whatever guitar tone I had up on my computer at the time. Right. But once, once it came to like really like thinking, okay, I got to come up with something mm-hmm. big, something really awesome sounding for the album. You know, I'm not joking. Brad probably doesn't know this, but I probably spent two months every night for two months just working on different recording techniques and, and different amp tones and different wow. amplifiers. <clears throat> and, uh, well, I don't want to give away secrets, you know, but, uh, you know, that guitar tone is a combination of uh, several different amplifiers recorded, at, you know, uh, tracked uh, two times. And then uh, also I used uh, the middle pick pickup selector switch on my guitar, hmm. which combines both pickups. Yep. And so it kind of gives it a kind of, you know, honky, muddy tone. Mm-hmm. But also I think what you hear at the end there <clears throat> is I'm playing in a lower register. Right. Most leads are up higher yep. octaves i'm mm-hmm. playing in a really low you know my goal with with that solo was was to try to, to of course convey sadness because mm-hmm. of the subject matter of the song and uh you know it's kind of like a tony iomi thing you know i mentioned him as an influence mm-hmm. but i you know in that part of the song i wanted the those notes to almost sound you know like a somebody crying right like, wah, wah, like hmm. crying out it's, it's yeah. a conveyance of sadness <clears throat> and so, uh, along the lines, also, uh, also want those notes to sing slowly. Mm-hmm. Want those notes to sing slowly, almost like a vocalist singing a melody line. Yeah, you know. So, but yeah, it's a, it's a combination of thing. Of course, the wah pedal sure gives it that. Uh, kind of sound too. Yeah. It's a combination of a lot of different things. It's but. it's a it's a really great expression of the overall theme of the song and it really is a nice finish to that to that track. I really I oh, really like the way that that sure. track came together. Um obviously the name of the band is synonymous with the whole concept of the record. Um can fans expect more along the lines of thematic grief as a theme from the band going forward or is that is this kind of a jumping off point and you're going to explore other ideas along the way? Um, well, I, I don't see any real deviation as far as lyrical content, but I don't think, you know, grief to me isn't, um, something that's pigeonholed as far as just a topic. There's just not one way to convey grief. Um, I think, I mean, from what I can, you know, estimate that the stuff that I, the lyrics I've been writing for the new album Mm -hmm. are just from a different outlook. Um, different, um, you know, nobody wants to hear the same thing over and over sure. again. Um, but this band is is and was built on on past experiences through sure. life. I mean, that this this is what this was about, mm-hmm. and I don't think um, we have any. Um, we're not going to change that. Yeah. Well, know? like you said, there's a rich vein of mm-hmm. themes right. that you can right. draw from in there and so many different ways you can approach that, that right. topic. Yeah. So, I, there's I, so many people out, so many people out there too, that have experienced it, you know, mm-hmm. way more than I have. And, uh, even with my limited experience with grief, you know, I find, you know, solitude in it, you mm-hmm. know, just like 
people find, you know, they listen to the blues, you know. Right. Kind of, you know, doom metal is kind of like the, the metal version of, I don't want to say the blues because it's so different, but, you know, people listen to music that is depressing and it, they they find solace in that. Yeah. yeah. So like Elvis said, you know, I get so lonely I could die, you know. Right. Going all the way yeah. back to something, mm-hmm. pop song like that, you right. know. And so doom is just taking it to another extreme. Sure. And conveying those same feelings, but, you know. Yeah. I mean, I definitely feel the same way for me. Um, you know, I definitely don't feel sad when I write these words. Yeah. You know, that's not it. It, it, it does. It's almost like, a, you know, something opening up with inside me that's actually healing me as I'm mm-hmm. writing them or, you know, like like we went back to being cathartic. I mean, it's it's something that, you know, you have all this stuff built up and then you can finally release it through these words. Right. So, um, you know, it's, it's grief collector is, is about that. And I don't think that'll change. It'll just, you know, there's just going to be different ways, you know, it's talked about it's different, um, subjects and different scenarios mm-hmm. and, and, and everything else. But I mean, for me, you know, sadness isn't something that, you know, that I deal with in, 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 you know, in a bad way. All yeah. the time. Right. You know, it's it, for me, I, I listen to these bands and I'm happy with it, yeah. actually. Yeah. You know, I mean, those, these bands make me happy, whether their topics are, you know, sad or, mm-hmm. you know, stuff like that. I, 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 I find it as something I find comfort in. Yeah. I think one thing Brad and I agree on with, you know, going forward with new music is, you know, this, you know, the five song album, uh, it has a theme to it. And I think you hear that from song to song. They fit together. There's mm-hmm. a definite, you know, tempo that's slower, which was we did on purpose. Mm hmm. And so I think, you know, on the newer stuff coming, you know, you add in, you know, Brad's lyrics, which might be similar from a different viewpoint, Mm -hmm. but we're going to have different tempos, faster, maybe a little more progressive beats here and there. I think we both agree we want to, you know, move in that direction. We don't want to always be so slow and plotting. Yeah. But yet we will still have those elements, which, you know, are the cornerstone of of good doom music. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's... Not every band starts with a concept record. It seems like a pretty challenging way to introduce an audience to your music. How did you come to the the idea that it was going to be thematic throughout and try and tie those things together? Um, Well, going back to what I said in the beginning, this album was really never meant to see the light of day. So it wasn't, you know, me and Matt wrote this as something that we could, you know, uh, be musicians together to, you know, to work together Mm -hmm. to to, you know, see how we collect. And, you know, we've always had that connection and this just came together very easily. Um, so, I mean, it, like I said, this record wasn't meant to be, you know, Rob wasn't meant to be on the album. You know, we never meant for it to really see the light of day. Mm-hmm. So people think that, you know, this was meant and, you know, we we knew we were going to have Rob as our singer and we right. knew we were going to do these five songs. Is It really just kind of just started taking shape. But... I knew I wanted to write five songs about those stages of the grief for me, mm-hmm. you know, and we really wrote these songs for ourselves. Um, and we did them for a specific reason. There's five songs for a reason. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the album is called from dissension to a vowel. So it's from denial to acceptance. Mm-hmm. And you go through those five stages and you experience all that stuff together. So, I mean, it, it's, it was meant for a reason. That's yeah. the end. Um, I don't, I mean, people say, well, why a concept album? And I say, well, why not? (laughs) That's a good answer. I I just, I don't. Well, when when Brad approached me about that, as soon as I heard the idea, even though there was no music to support it, Mm -hmm. 
I just believe in that idea so much because I felt it was unique. I thought uh, a lot of people would understand it. Yeah. And so when you get those two things put together, you know, it's a good starting point for a band and, you know, it's just kind of grown from there. Yeah. And then of course, Robert, when he heard it, mm -hmm. he felt the same way, you know, his yeah. music and the idea behind it and everything. So. Yeah. You know, the way you <laughs> talked about it, Brad, it seems like things are sort of falling into place in a, in a way that could almost sort of seem, seem fatalistic. Like, like things were meant to happen this way, even though you didn't start out with that vision. Well, absolutely. I mean, I just, I, um, it, it seems like the, the pieces of the puzzle, you know, it's kind of like, okay, well we wanted this and we wanted a, a, a singer that, you know, cause we don't want just somebody singing, you know, initially right. I think me and Matt had talked about, um, since there's five stages of grief that we would have a different singer for each song oh. to represent, you know, cause one song is about, you know, uh, acceptance mm -hmm. and another song is about denial. So, you know, one would be a little bit more aggressive so mm -hmm. we can have, five different singers, it might be kind of cool. But then we thought, well, how are we going to do that live? Right. You know, is that, but then it would really pigeonhole us into being just a recording project. Mm -hmm. um, so then when, you know, Robert came into the picture, we knew this is the guy. I mean, even though it's Robert, I mean, we didn't get Robert into the band to the fact that to say we have a Robert Lowe in the band. Right. We did it because we thought that he was the best singer um, that we really felt could, um, make these songs be something mm -hmm. that they really deserved. Right. And, and when he, you know, when he finally said that it, it finally took shape and, and it really came to life. That's, it, it, it's really exciting to hear how that's all come together. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, yeah. I it's mean, it's, really... it's, for me, it's, it's a dream come true to, you know, be working with one of my uh, idols as far as the vocals go. And, and he's just an all around great guy. That's so, fantastic. I mean, it's, it's, it's I'm happy. <laughs> <laughs> well, the next track is uh, Consuming Indication, uh, Indignation. Excuse me. Uh, what are some of the things you want people to take away from this song? What do you want them to listen for? Well, um, Consuming Indignation, you know, is, is just being consumed by that anger of, you know, losing somebody or going through something that you feel you have no control of. Mm -hmm. You know, whether it's, you know, losing a child or, you know, um, you know having a parent that is, you know, has cancer and whatever the you know scenario may be, um, and I think that's what you'll hear in this song. That you'll hear it's a little bit more aggressive vocally, and it comes off the bat pretty quick, mm -hmm. um, kind of showing you how fast you know anger can build and how it can swell up and you know kind of consume you as far as um, you know when somebody's just consumed that much by anger, it's hard to control, especially in a situation. You know, with death, and you because you have zero control over the right. fact that it's you know, so it, you'll hear the more of aggression, which we did on purpose, a little bit more heavier um, guitar work and and stuff like that. So I think every song you know kind of fits w what we've been trying to do, but mm -hmm. this one will just show a little bit more aggression. Yeah, and I think also you'll listen, uh, you'll hear on all the songs, but this one especially, you'll hear different vocal stylings from Robert. Mm -hmm. That's kind of what we want to do. And, you know, when you're telling a story, you're not going to just sing and talk in the same voice. There's going to be expressiveness. Sure. And I think you'll hear that on every song, but this song, you'll hear that. All right. Well, let's give a listen. This is Consuming Indignation off of From Dissension to a Vowel.
right. That was Consuming Indignation by Grief Collector, our special guests here in studio today. You're listening to Blast Beats and Bicycles here at 91.7 FM, McAllister College Radio in St. Paul, Minnesota. We've got a quick uh, announcement to make. The band Jaunty is playing at the 7th Street Entry on July 18th, 2019. Tickets are twenty, or excuse me, $10 in advance and $12 at the door. The show is 18 plus, so go over and check out some great new music over at the entry. Uh, we've got Brad Miller and Matt Johnson from Grief Collector in studio with us. Uh, guys, that Consuming Indignation song was much more aggressive, obviously, than the first song, thematically appropriate. It feels like it's building to something. I mean, it almost feels like the song is trying to outrace the the tempo, you know? I mean, it's, it, I don't know what exactly made me, makes me feel that way, but I don't know. Talk a little bit about how you guys built that song and how it came together. Uh, well, if you listen to the... I guess the main riff, the dun, 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 dun. It's just like Brad Mouth guitar to me. No. <laughs> but that's anyhow, true. Yeah, that's true. I mean, that's... But anyway, that, you know, it's got this, that charging feel to it, but yet the drums and the bass are really laid back with a backbeat. Yeah. So I think that's where you're getting that yep. from, because you yep. got the guitar is charging forward and the drums is going boom, ka, yeah. boom, ka, while yeah. the guitar is going chung, chung, chung. Mm-hmm. So I think you, I think that's where you get that feeling from, but uh, whether there was purpose behind that or not i can't say for sure but i think uh we were just trying to write a heavy tune that yeah. conveyed anger mm-hmm. and you know the, the swings of that you know so i think that the song tempos that, that you mentioned you know well, it that. just added to that tension for yes, me i'm like tension. it's getting a little wound yeah. up when i was listening to it yeah. the first time you wanted to break stuff didn't you i did <laughs> <laughs> to me it kind of felt like a like a charging train yeah. like that yeah that, that thing just getting ahead of it you know and and I, you know, that's kind of how I felt about the the anger because I feel like it's so uncontrollable, and sometimes it does get ahead of you, mm-hmm. and that's how, you know, that's how you feel. It's like it's uncontrollable and it's it's unpredictable, really. Yeah, and later in the song too, there's that major shift in tempo, like it got really aggressive and faster, pretty dramatically. I mean, did you have that in mind, or was that kind of something that magically just sort of came together as you were playing around with um. the riffs? I think it's a, a change that we wanted to have in the song because otherwise it would just be the same, right? You know, through the whole song. Yep. And I uh, can't remember if I came up with that riff or if Brad did. I'll just say we both did, <laughs> just to keep it fair. Uh, but uh, you know, we just we, we, it was a lead up to the guitar solo, yep. and so we just wanted the song to go in a different direction, and mm-hmm. it's almost like that's the point where the anger just loses control, yeah, you know, so to speak. Yeah. So. Well, there's different, you know, like for me, it's like anger has many levels, you know, it's, it's, it builds and it swells and it, it, you know, it, it's never just uh, consistent, you know, yeah. it, you'll have your moments of still being angry, but then something will set you off and mm-hmm. then it just, it goes to a higher level. Yep. It, it, we kind of wanted it to, to have peaks and valleys to where, you know, you can feel the, it's still as angry, but mm-hmm. it, it, there's different levels of what that is, and I can't. I think that kind of conveys that within the song. Yeah. And the, and the guitar solo during that part, you know, has kind of a trippy sound to it. It's got a a phaser on, a phasing effect on it. It you know has the wah wah pedal going all at the same time. And I'm just trying to create this. Uh, I don't know, kind of this euphoric sense of you know how you kind of lose your your sense of being when you're. Get so angry, you almost can't control yourself. Yeah, it's almost this trippy, <laughs> trippy sense of you know, loss of right. 
Because people your, your always, capability, you know, your capabilities, and yeah, your thought, you know, right. you're so angry, you know, it's like yeah, everything. It's all wah, consuming wah, at that wah, point, wah, right? Wah, right, right. You know, I mean, because people always say, you know, I never thought I would act that way. Yeah, you know, like I never thought I could get to that point. You know, I never, I, I've never saw that side of me, or you mm-hmm. know, stuff like that. And that's really what it's kind of about. And and I think the solo and the and everything about it kind of translates different emotions of anger. Mm-hmm. You know, I think at least that's, you know, I think we we're very conscious about how we were writing songs. You know, and, you know, because me and Matt would talk about, okay, this one is, you know, the denial. So, you know, yep. we want to, you know, in Eyes of Fog, we wanted to have it really open, you know, so you kind of felt that distance. Mm-hmm. So, you know, with consuming, we kind of wanted it to feel like, um, you know, you're, you're, there's some tension building yeah. from first denying the fact of what's going on. So. As, as, you know, as I hear you talk about the care that you use to craft each element of the song to, to deliver that message, I'm curious about the, the actual recording and producing process because there's a lot of choices you can make in the studio. Did you have in mind kind of an outcome of the songs or were things sort of flowing while you were in the studio producing the record? Uh, yeah, I think we, at least for myself, I knew I, we had to have big drums and, you know, who has, I mean, a couple albums that I listened to on purpose to try to recreate the best I could uh, are two Black Sabbath albums. Uh, i trying to think what they are now. One is Eternal Idol. Mm-hmm. has huge drums on it, huge, like some reverbs on it. We didn't go that big with the reverbs. Yep. Uh, but I just knew that we had to find a way to, to capture Brad's kit. He's mm-hmm. such a great player and he has a great sounding kit. And I think we actually did that. I mean, they... When I listen back, I'm like, holy cow, those drums sound monstrous, you know? And, <laughs> yeah. and so I knew I wanted that, wanted that. I knew the guitars had to be big, like Tony Iommi big and yeah. monstrous sounding. Uh, so from a production standpoint, I mean, once, once we had those two things in place, which was, you know, drums was the first thing recorded. Mm-hmm. And so that gave me a chance to work, work with his kit in the studio, uh, practice on some different techniques, some different EQing. Mm-hmm. Uh, different levels of you know compression and reverb and stuff sure. like that, and it uh, it clicked. You know, and I, as soon as I heard, I'm like, that's it. You yeah. Know, and then I would actually put in, uh, what's the other Black Sabbath album with Tony Martin on it? Uh, the Headless Cross. Yeah. The Headless Cross. That's yep. what I meant to begin with. Uh, but the, what's the what's the the, la- the last album they did with Tony? Oh, Cross Purpose. Yeah, Cross Purpose. That's not mm-hmm. the last, but I'll, I'll nitpick on it. <laughs> okay, sorry. Oh yeah, they had one more after Unforbidden after that. Forbidden. Right? Yeah, forbidden. <laughs> Sorry, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> Both Tonys. <laughs> but uh, I actually put that album on, yeah. and uh, there's a couple songs where uh, Geezer Butler's bass is just either by itself playing, and mm-hmm. so I listened to that over and over and over, and yep. I was trying to recreate as close as I could that type of bass tone. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think that's what we did. We did. Yeah. Um, we sent um, Evil Eye. Yeah, I sent you "Evil Eye" off of uh, Cross Purposes from yeah. Black Sabbath album, and that's Geezer playing. And I kind of isolated that bass on there, and that's yeah. kind of what we went for. But hmm. we yeah. kind of we kind of used our inspirations as yeah. far as like some albums that we really really liked, and we wanted to get you know this kind of idea from the drums and this mm-hmm. kind of guitar and this mm-hmm. kind of bass. And I think that worked well because you know that I felt we really brought our influences into things that we really liked and albums that we would listen to. Yeah, and um, you know the. Everything was written before Rob, yeah. like we talked about before, because we had no idea that he was actually going right. to sing. So we didn't write these with the fact that, you know, these songs with the fact that we're going to have Rob sing, you know, mm-hmm. so we didn't, like, craft ideas mm-hmm. around how we would have Rob sing. Sure. 
you know, we wrote these songs um, because we, you know, just ideas. We just, mm -hmm. and um, they, they kind of mm -hmm. turned out to, to work better than we would actually, yeah. you know, were thinking they were. But, you know, Matt is amazing in the studio. Like, so we took my, so we took my <laughs> drums and we took the real, you know, the natural sound and we we um, mixed that with some triggering. So mm -hmm. not know, much though. No, and that's the thing. We really wanted the the drums to sound real um, because we're, you know, I don't trigger my kicks live. I never will. Um, you know, I have friends that do, and it sounds great for the stuff that they do. But sure. that's not me. Yeah. Um, I like the, you know, I think I have a great sounding drum set, and I want that really to to come through. And I think that really did. I mean, we've had a lot of mention about how good the snare drum sounds. And I think to me, the kick and the snare are one of the biggest things for an album. Mm -hmm. You know, if you can't hear the kick and you can't hear the snare, it's it's kind of just, you know, you don't get that thump in the chest. You right. know, and you don't. And for me, that's that really conveyed, you know, what Mac could yeah. do. So, I mean, it, it, it turned out. And even the reason, one of the reasons that we um, got Rob, which, you know, a little tidbit of information is because he heard it and he said the production um, was one of the better things that he's heard. Wow. And he was impressed by it. And I said, well, it's pretty good for two guys from, you know, Minnesota down their Minnesota, basement. Yeah, right. You know, so. I mean, <laughs> yeah. And uh, I, the other thing, like getting back to the drums and uh oh, we've drawn blood already. Uh oh, wow. How'd you do that? I don't know. I must have scratched it. Well, if you want, okay. you got it. <laughs> Thank but, you very much. We'll be here all night, yeah. ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> but you know, we set up some open room mics on those drums, and to get a really big drum sound, you got to have those room mics. Mm -hmm. You have to be close enough, so, you know, so you don't sound like drums are in a yep. a big hallway. <clears throat> but I would say what you hear for drums is ninety five percent Brad's real kit. Hmm. There's a little bit of support on the kick yep. and the snare. Uh, so other than that, it's real and raw. Everything's yeah. real and raw. That's the great. Are real. All the bass is real. Robert Lowe's real. <laughs> so there's no, did, uh, no lip syncing going on here. Did you guys do any of this stuff live together? No. So it was all you guys Matt all recorded individually. Here's a little more information for you. Matt and I have never played the songs on the album together until last week. Wow. Yep, that's true. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. So we'd meet at Brad's, I would drive up yeah. Brad's apartment and we'd yeah. have a little, you know, folder full of riffs. Yeah. Just like riffs. Dun, 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 dun. What are we going to do with that? Hmm. Why don't we add it on to this one? Or why don't we try this? Literally with Brad tapping on his legs. Yep. The, a rhythm. And me playing through a little practice amp in his apartment. Wow. And so I would, Brad would actually record those parts and we'd, I think he would make notes on a piece of paper and say, this part goes four times, this part goes three times, whatever. I'd go back to the studio, and, and the whole goal is just to get a scratch track to record drums. To. Yeah. Right. And so once we had the basic rhythms and the structure of how we wanted the song to go, uh, I would record those guitar parts, and then Brad would get only the guitars with a click track going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. So we figured out, we figured out, we dealt a lot with tempos, too. Yeah. We, we really wanted, you know, the 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 slows to be slow, and I mean, none of it, none of the stuff on the album really goes, you know, very fast, and that's intentional. Yeah. I mean, we're not. I mean, we're we're, we're trying to go for a feel and everything else, but you know, we worked on tempos and and stuff. But uh, I never had played the drums until I recorded it, like I said before. Um, so when we were recording the drums, I had no idea <laughs> even what I was doing. I was wow. literally making stuff up on the spot. 
Um, but sometimes it, that's the best, though. Yeah, sometimes you it's that organic, it. sure. Right. Yeah, sometimes you just overwork it. And right. So almost two years now of this album being written, Matt and I played the songs Eyes of Fog um, last Thursday for the first time in two years together. <laughs> wow. That's not great, too. <laughs> hear, hearing you guys talk about the way you developed all those things, I really want you to write a song, like, right now. <laughs> all right, you're on, you're on mouth guitar, Matt. And Brad, there you <laughs> We could do it. Yeah. Whether we will or not, it's a question. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe on the next episode. Yes. And so uh, you talked a little bit about how Robert got involved in some of the lyrics and editing things for the for the phrasing. Did did it feel like he hit his stride right away? I mean, did you did, did you feel like this was as much as you had wanted it to be when he was in the studio? You know, without sounding, you know, like um, a absolute fanboy. I mean, <laughs> I mean, but but ultimately, that's just a, the real aspect of mm-hmm. this situation, you know. Matt and I are fans of, of Rob and, and have been for a while. Um, so literally when he came in, he came in uh, with me on uh, a Friday morning to Mankato and we kind of, we had the songs going through Matt's speakers and stuff like that. And, and uh, he's like, okay, Rob says, you know, do you have words? So I laid down Eyes of Fog and he goes, okay. And then Matt played the first part and I said, well, how about blah, 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 blah. And he's like, all right, let's record it. And he literally hit record and the guy that I've been a fan of for 25, 30 years is now singing songs that... Five feet from your ears. Five feet from, right. And, and songs that, you know, lyrics that I wrote. Wow. So, I mean, I, I mean, it was magical. I mean, as, as you know, strange as that sounds, it was to hear him sing just in general, to be in the yeah. same room, you know, even sure. if he was singing, you know, the national anthem or... You know, Mary had a little lamb. I would be just in awe, but you know, or have him sing these songs that we wrote, and and to hear him sing, you know, emotions mm-hmm. that I have been written. Yeah, it's it's it was it was great, and uh, he's he's a pro. I mean, he's an absolute pro. He knows exactly, you know, how his voice is, and 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 he and he's great. I mean, it's just it was the easiest thing that we've done, and I mean, it, it, two and a half days, it was just magical. Like there was no bickering there was like no because we didn't know each other right you know it was just like literally the first time we had met rob like literally never met him before yeah and so i mean we we really sat down and worked though you know what i'm saying like mm-hmm. we worked but then you know at night we had our fun and you know did everything else but it was a great experience and rob got to witness one of the brutalist winters <laughs> in minnesota and um I think he was a little humbled by the fact that we have to deal with that so yeah you know he's a phoenix guy so um, wow you know, it, it seems like that would be a perfect environment to record music like this. <laughs> and it absolutely was. And, and, and it's funny. And, and um, well, it covers over to the album cover, right? I mean, it, it really does. I mean, and that was my idea with the album cover, that it was just that. And, and you'll hear it in, you know, in, in one of the next few songs. But, you know, when he says surrounded by this never ending white. Yeah. And when Rob sang that, he actually stopped and he goes, <laughs> that's, no, that's real. That's real. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Welcome to Minnesota. Yeah. You can't deny the. <laughs> you know, the authentic realism of this album just because the way it was made. I mean, it's just real human beings with real feelings mm-hmm. making real music, and I don't know, that's the way it should be. You know, yeah. nothing was contrived. It was just, I don't know, everything just flowed really smooth and effortlessly from, like Brad said, coming in. And, I mean, how long it been since you touched your drums and set them up? And he goes, I need to warm up a little bit. And he starts playing, yeah, actually, warming up, and then we hit record, up. and I yeah. mean, it's... Like Matt said, um, 
when I recorded the drums, I hadn't played my drums in a year and a half. Wow. And the first time I touched them was when I recorded the album. So Wow. Yeah, because I live in an apartment. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure your neighbors are. Any studio are... space here we can rent? <laughs> <laughs> well, well, we've got some people. We'll we'll yeah. talk after. <laughs> uh, the next song on the on the album is uh, "A Mournful Pact." Talk a little bit about what this song means to you and and how it comes together for the the whole. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I was talking to Matt a little bit about this in the in the um, in the car on the way over. You know, for me, so Mournful Pact is the bargaining stage of, of the five stages of grief. And um, I wanted to bring this a little bit more personal to, to for me, as far as lyrical. Mm-hmm. So um, the song is actually written about my two daughters that had passed away. Hmm. Um, I had a daughter in 2002 that passed away and a daughter in 2007 that passed hmm. away. And uh, at the time I was married. Um, and after my second daughter had passed away, my wife looked at me and she said, I wish that they would haunt me. Wow. So, um, that really struck something inside me because she said the only way that she would be able to see our daughters again is, is if they were ghosts. Hmm. So, um, that had been, you know, quite a few years ago, obviously 12 years ago, um, from my last daughter, but, um, it, it, it sparked something in me to where um, somebody can make a mournful pact or a pact in general to within themselves to make themselves believe that somebody's with them. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it's, you know, just they can feel them somehow or, you know, they could see them in something, mm-hmm. you know, in a, in a cloud or in a, you know. So the song is really about um, that reference as far as being haunted by something for the only reason that you would be able to see your loved ones would be in visions or um, in dreams. Wow. Well, I can't think of a better way to introduce that song. Let's uh, let's hear a mournful pact off of descent from dissension to a vowel by grief collector.
All right, you're listening to Blast Beats and Bicycles here at 91.7 FM, McAllister College Radio in St. Paul, Minnesota. We've got grief collector Brad Miller and Matt Johnson in studio with us, uh, two of the founders of the band. Um, 
Guys, that was your tune, a mournful pact off of from a dissension to a vowel. You make particular reference to incantations in that in that song, and it feels of all the songs on the record, the most mystical to me. I mean, it seems like there's a lot of mysticism. Talk a little bit about the lyrical content there. And, and is mysticism something that you were specifically trying to put in there? Um, you know, I was trying to have it to where you could really, you know, make it how you wanted it to be for mm-hmm. yourself. You know, um, for me, it's a, it's a very personal song, probably the most personal one on the album. But, um, you know, as far as that incant- incantations, um, I was just trying to think of something to where it, it kind of gave it more of a mystical feel yep. to it. Um, but it's more revolving around, you know, someone who wants to, um, you know, summon somebody, whether it's in their mind, right? you know, where they can feel that presence, mm-hmm. whether it's, you know, in certain ways. Um, so really wasn't any intention. I was just trying to maybe give it a little bit more flair. Yeah. And, um, but, um, you know, anytime that you're trying to, you know, think of somebody that you've lost and, and conjuring their, yeah. you know, their imaging in, in your it's head. inherently after, mystical. After, right? you know, 15 years of not seeing them, the only way you can do that mm-hmm. really is, is, you know, getting your mind back to that time. Yeah. And to me, it, it just felt like, you know, invoking an incantation of, of memories, per mm-hmm. se, you know, that's why it says of memories to burn. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've had the record out now for three months. What's been the reception so far? What have people been saying about the record? Um, we've had really great reviews from a lot of the people in the doom scene. I mean, we've, we've had, um, you know, some reviews and we had a guy <laughs> give it a C plus, which was pretty comical. Um, <laughs> but you know, I mean, at the end of the day, um, you know, everybody has their own opinion on things and, you know, with Rob, you know, we're like we talked about on break, you know, yeah. we're going to get that, you know, that uh, I wouldn't say comparison, but, you know, we're going to get, you know, well, it doesn't really sound like solitude or, you know, right. candle mass can do that better. And, hey, I love both those bands mm-hmm. and, you know, I love everything Rob has done, but this this is different. Yep. And so we're not, you know, we're trying to create something and not live in a shadow, but we know those those comparisons are going to happen. But. For the most part, man, it's it's been great. The response has been great. Um, I mean, people talk about Matt being, you know, like a guitar god, and oh you know, god. people are like <laughs> quoting different parts of lyrics and saying things and and stuff like that. I mean, it's I, I couldn't be happier with it, really. I mean, especially from an album that we didn't mm-hmm. think was even going to be, you know, something people would actually hear. So yeah, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> from my perspective, it's like. Okay, we were on blabbermouth.net, mm-hmm. which when I saw that on there, I'm like, I think, I think Winger, Winger was right above us, <laughs> or maybe White Snake, one of those '80s metal bands <laughs> right. right above us. Yeah. So I'm scrolling down. I thought maybe it would happen someday. Yeah. I was thinking like, I think I was re- trying to remind Brad, oh, we got to send something to them, you know, because Robert in the band and sure. that, usually he shows up on there. Yep. And I just one day scrolling and not expecting, I'm like. Oh my God! There we are, around Blabbermouth, you know. And I like flipped out, you know. And I, I thought bet. that was so cool. And then I think it was Bang Tango, wasn't it? Was it Bang nice. Tango? <laughs> I saw them up at Hinkley a couple of years ago. That oh, was yeah. great. No, I don't know. We'll take it. We'll take it. We'll tour with Bang Tango. It was one of the one of the touring versions of LA Guns. I don't know. Right. 
of yeah. one of the seven <laughs> right. versions of yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it's, it's been great. We've you know we've had some really good reviews, some really good articles, and some magazines that we never thought we would even mm-hmm. be mentioned in. Yeah. Um, and we have a lot of you know stuff coming up. You know that we never thought we would do. I mean, I don't know. It's we're just gonna ride it and, and see what happens. But I mean, we're being true to ourselves. We're not doing this. You know, and, and having Rob in the band and saying, well, let's see how far we can get because we have Rob in the band. Yep. It's really, is, it's really just an added bonus because, you know, Matt and I really write the song. So we're we're doing this from the heart. This, yeah. This mm-hmm. is who we are and this is what we do. So having Rob in the band is just a really, you know, it's just, um, you know. Yeah. The cherry on top of the Sunday. I mean, it's just, it's great. I mean, I, I mean, you know, you talk to you, you know, all of a sudden Rob will call me up and I'm just. And I'll look at my phone and I was like, is this real? <laughs> is this real uh, life? I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, going back to the whole situation with Rob, when he said um, that he, you know, wanted to do this record, I literally on Facebook Messenger, I, I messaged him. I said, is Ashton Kutcher there? Because I literally feel I'm being punked. I'm not even joking. I was just like, you're joking, right? And, you know, Rob's. No way, man. You know, you know. <laughs> I don't know if that's person. how they talk. That's <laughs> a impersonation of him. Yeah, and for me, it's uh, you know, you can talk about all the you know magazine things, and one of the I just got a new uh, personal chill from listening to it on the way up here because hmm. uh, I met Brad last week up here, like you mentioned, to jam the songs for yep. the first time in two years, uh, but or ever, I guess. Yeah, ever. But. Uh, I, he gave me. I actually first time had a copy, a physical copy of the CD. Yeah. And so to put that in the car and mm-hmm. drive and listen to it and you know, just you know, it's just a really good feeling, personal, on a personal level when you listen to something that you made and yeah. And I don't think most musicians listen to a lot of the things that they make. They make it, they're in the moment, and then they move on to the next thing. And this album for me is hanging around. I could listen to it anytime with yeah. friends or by myself and mm-hmm. still enjoy it as if I had no part of it. And so, to me, that's probably one of the most enjoyable parts of it. Yeah. And then to think the meaning behind it and how it was created, it just, I don't know, just very unique for me. Yeah, yeah. no, yeah, I mean, we we didn't rush this album by any stretch of the imagination. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we, you know, we would go months without even talking about the album or doing anything with it, you know, towards the beginning. And, and then me and Matt kind of just, you know, buckled down and said, we really need to get this album you know, because we knew it, it had something special. Yeah. Even before Rob, you know, we knew that, you know, we thought the the songs were good. I think, you know, every band, you know, would, would hope that they would put out, you know, a good product. Um, so, I mean, we were just happy just in general to finally accomplish something for Matt and I. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, we've always really wanted to work together. Um, you know, we've jammed a little bit, but, you know, never really, you know, we mostly talk about music. You know, right. we mostly just yeah. talk about, oh, did you hear, you know, Vince Neil, you know, live a couple of weeks ago? And I don't I'm, think we talk about Vince Neil. But. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and if you're out there, no. <laughs> I mean, we, we talk about, you I've know, had that same conversation right. with people. Right. Yeah. I mean, but so we talk a lot about music and new bands and, you know, Cryptic Sermon, the, mm-hmm. the new band that I, you know, kind of introduced Matt to. Mm-hmm. And great th- band. There's a, you know, a lot of things that we just, we just like metal. We just like music in general. So. You know, it's just kind of nice just to kind of finally get this album done. And it's a long process, but, you know, once it finally started happening, it really just took off. Yeah. Like it really just, boom. 
you know, it, the accelerator it really, hit. Yeah, it really did. I mean, it took a while, but it really finally got out there. And you know, you, you started it as a personal passion project. Mm-hmm. You we really something for yourselves. Yeah. As you start to hear people talk about the record, as you have gained some, you know, traction with it, does it feel like there's pressure to let it go, or do you feel like it still belongs to you? I mean, where's I know a lot of people talk about well, once it gets some popularity it becomes other people's as well. How does that, does, does that resonate with you guys at all? I hope it becomes other people's and I'll gladly accept that. Um, just from a personal standpoint of doing something that other other people connect with. Mm -hmm. So I hope that it keeps growing. Uh, yeah, I hope it's, one thing that I thought of is, like I said, Brad is more deep into the doom music. You know, Mm -hmm. he has a lot much more knowledge, but, I would like to think that this could be like a call it a starter doom album for mm-hmm. somebody that really hasn't maybe picked up on that genre of music. Yeah. And by listening to it, that they maybe would not only enjoy what we did, but then also like a lot of us music fans do, we'll hear a band and then we'll want to find other bands that sound like that. Yeah. So whether or not maybe they start out and they're afraid of the aggressive vocals with some bands, mm-hmm. maybe this would be like a, a gateway drug into the doom music, <laughs> so to speak, where they would hear, maybe they would hear us like it and say, what other bands are like them? Yeah. And then they can move on and check out other bands mm-hmm. and help this genre of music really grow. Yeah. For me, it's, I mean, it's, it's cool for me to see, you know, the people that we've, you know, that have bought the album or even reviews or even, you know, people talking about it to, to see what their favorite songs are, mm-hmm. you know, cause you know, it, it's interesting because I don't really have any preference, you know, right. like there's nothing, I wrote them to me as a whole, mm-hmm. you know, to me, I don't, there's not much separation for me, you know, as far as personal goes it to me, it was one whole collaboration, mm-hmm. you know, everything kind of fits together, but you know, it, it, you see people say, well, my favorite track was this, my favorite track was this, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, I know that, um, the guitar solo, um, the acoustic solo, and I, I think the next song coming up, yeah, I think was. I mean, that was. I'm, I'm not, you know, taking the spotlight no, off of Matt, but I it was something that I, I told Matt I think would be a cool idea. You know, what if you did an a acoustic? He, he made mm-hmm. me do it. Yeah, <laughs> it turned out really. Cool. And, and, it did and, turn out really well. And I uh, and I really liked that. It really reminded me of uh, the guitar mm-hmm. playing on um, Nevermore Dreaming Neon Black. Mm. Um, they have some really cool acoustic stuff, um, you know, Jeff Loomis stuff that's just amazing. And I just really thought it kind of gave um, an emotion to that song. Mm-hmm. And we've gotten some really interesting feedback about it, all positive. So I, it's just kind of cool for me. I I hope people can, you know, relate to it. I guess mm-hmm. that's really for me what it really is to me because it's an album about life. Right. I mean, at the end of the day everybody's going to experience it. Everybody's going to eventually go through it as people get older, you know, as we get older, you know, people, sure. you know, tend to, to start leaving the world. So, I mean, I mean, hopefully people can, you know, listen to it and um, either get comfort in it or, you know, just find some, you know, solace in it and, or just headbang. <laughs> you know, you, you made the comment about people's favorite tracks and, and how you feel about the, the record. Yeah. You know, there's sort of this age old debate and I kind of, People who are grew up with LPs yeah. listen to music in a much different way Absolutely. than people who didn't, who yeah. grew up after the LP kind of went away, even after CDs. Yeah. 
do you really want people to feel about this like it's a it's a whole or are you okay with having introductory you know like a single kind of come out of the record yeah i don't really have any preference i mean i mean ultimately it's a record that should be listened to in its entirety because mm-hmm. it's you know it's it's from dissension to evolve so right. it's a it's a journey through the process but you know to to have something that you can relate to more like you know, if, if you feel a little bit angry at the time and your favorite song is consuming indignation, mm-hmm. drop it on, drop it on. And, and, yeah. and, you know, but, you know, even Rob, you know, his favorite one is a mournful pact. And in hmm. we've had some comments to where that's a, a bluesy song. <laughs> Interesting. Which I get it a little bit more than we yeah. hear it. And me and Matt were talking about, well, the blues are about heartbreak and, yep. and all that stuff. So it's kind of all relevant. Music is all relevant. I mean, there's no... People talk about originality. I don't know if there's possible for anything to be original anymore. Yeah, there's, but, 12, there's twelve notes, and it's, uh, I use <laughs> right. twelve notes, right? But but it's about creativity. Sure, it's not really about originality. Right. Uh, it's about creativity. It's about putting those notes together in a different way. Right. right. Yep. Because I think something, for the most part, has already been done. Yep. But it's about being creative and and in being honest to what you're doing. You know, we didn't write these songs to, well, let's try to be a doom band. Yeah, we wrote right. these songs like, here's some ideas, here's some riffs. You know, mm-hmm. we didn't, we weren't trying to set out to be something. It, yeah, it became something. It's it, yeah. it's interesting you say that, and I, it, it makes me sort of think about all the subgenres of metal. You know, and it's oh like God. there you you could take up an, an entire Wikipedia just about the right. different subgenres, and I'm like. Does it really? Is it that cut and dry? I mean, is I don't feel like music is that clearly defined. There's so much overlap, and so I think it complicates it actually. It yeah, makes it hard for it almost makes people choose a side, almost, right? You know, and it shouldn't be about that. It's right. Like you go on Netflix, and it's like you spend more time looking for a movie than you I do watching it. one. It's like, right. oh, should I try it now? I'm going to try that one. Yep. It's same way with music. Yeah. I only listen to folk gent core. Yeah. <laughs> See, I, I, I like, the, I like the splitting of, you know, I like the splitting of genres and stuff uh-huh. because it kind of gives, for me, it, it gives me an option to like the best of both worlds. Yeah. You know, like uh, doom death per se, mm-hmm. you know, I've not mm-hmm. the biggest fan of it, but I grew up, death metal yeah you know after the whole glam phase and mm-hmm. so it's nice to be able to hear the doomy stuff yep. with the death metal vocals so mm-hmm. i think it gives people an option to kind of cater to what they want sure. it to be you know because there's epic doom metal and there's yep. death doom and there's classic doom so i think for me i think it's a great idea yep. to be able to have the best of all worlds really yeah. within within certain genres mm-hmm. you know because i think once you're just strictly death metal or you're strictly this but but then again, you know, not to contradict myself, like I want my Slayer to sound like Slayer, right? You know, I want my Sepultura to sound like Sepultura, like yep. you know, I don't. Well, Sepultura kind of sounds like Slayer. Oh, <laughs> oh don't oh, say that. Oh my god. Um, so I'm looking. <laughs> their first album does. So I'm going to announce it right here. I'm looking for a new guitar player. Um, any? Hey, I had their first album. Any, any inquiries? Slayer. Uh, play, play play one of their songs. Right? Oh. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. I'm going to talk from now on. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it is really interesting, though, to see how that proliferation, you know, because and I've seen several articles and people who were there early on, the yeah. you know, Sabbaths and, and the priests, and yeah. it was just hard rock and then metal. Right, right. And so much has proliferated, which is yeah. great because it means that people are taking it and running with it. And there's lots of new stuff going on. Well, can you imagine, though, if if if. 
thrash just stayed thrash. Right. It just never evolved. Right. Or, you know, death metal never evolved or, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. If there's no, I mean, you can't tell me that listening to, you know, Stained Class or, you you know, British Steel, and then you hear Painkiller. Right. Same band. Way different music. But they upped their game a million Mm -hmm. times. Yep. You know, Scott Travis came in. Yeah. So I'm just saying you want some evolution within your band. Yeah. So, I mean, I think it's, I think it's important, but we, you know, we've had some information come to us about in articles and stuff that, well, they're not really classic doom. Hmm. And I was just like, yep, you're right. <laughs> That's never the goal that we were trying to do. We never yeah. tried to be a classic doom album. Right. You know, I think there's elements of sludge. That's kind of what we go by, mm-hmm. you know, doom sludge, um, you know, acid bath, corrosion, conformity, typo negative. Yeah. For me, those were influences. Cause I don't want to be strictly one thing for me right. that, I need to expand. We, you know, we have, you know, there's some really like power metal-y stuff kind mm-hmm. of that we're kind of fooling around with. I mean, I think just being creative is 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 huge. So, you know, when people say, well, you're not this and you're not that, and I, th- I say that's great. Yeah. That's really not what we're trying to do. So. And it gives you an opportunity to connect with so many different types of music mm-hmm. fans. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't want to write, you know, from dissension to a vowel again. Right. right. You know, like I, that's not our goal. I mean, yep. we have a lot, you know, we're we're we have a lot more in our bag, but that album was written, like I said, for a reason. So mm-hmm. we're very happy with it and I wouldn't change a thing. That's, uh, it, you know, having sat with it for two years and still feeling that good about it. Yeah. That's, uh, that's pretty cool. And the fact that you still drop it in the, in the, oh, yeah. the car stereo from time to time. I seriously, I'll go to bed and I'm maybe I'm a fanboy of our own man, but I'll listen to that album five times in a row. Yeah. And just go, wow. I really enjoy listening to that. That's great. Well, I want to I want to listen to the last two tracks on the record end to end because I want to sort of get that flow uh, sure. that comes out of these two songs, and I think there's some really interesting commonalities. So let's let's listen. So you guys have been listening to Blast Beats and Bicycles here at ninety one point seven FM, McAllister College Radio in Saint Paul, Minnesota. Uh, we're here in studio with Grief Collector, and we're listening to their debut record from Dissension to a Vowel. And uh, the last two tracks you're going to hear are of Misery and Woe and to Grips. So we're going to jump right into them. And then we'll talk a little bit about the tracks on the back end.
Those were two tracks from Grief Collector's new record from Dissension to Avowal. You're listening to 91.7 FM, McAllister College Radio in St. Paul, Minnesota. This is Blast Beats and Bicycles, and we have totally blown through the bicycles part of the show because we're having so much fun with Brad <laughs> and Matt from uh, Grief Collector in the studio here. Um, those two songs of Misery and Woe and To Grips finish off that five-song uh, record all about the um, the five stages of grief. And, you know, right away from that opening verse in To Grips, there's a huge change in in the lyrical tone. It, it really became, like, hopeful to me. I mean, I really got a lot of hope out of that. Talk a little bit about how you've wanted to finish that record out thematically. We know that, that last line, uh, quote me on it, Brad, what is it? Uh, Through sudden loss and... Question fair. Find the strength to begin again. That was actually, mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember this, idea. but this was actually, Brad wrote the lyrics, but there wasn't enough space in the earlier verse to sing it. Hmm. And so on the outro, when we're listening back to it, I'm like, wait a minute, this this line, yeah. just what you said, gives yeah. the song or the album some closure, mm-hmm. you know, in a way. Yeah, Matt that actually came up with the, the vocal melody for that. Yeah and told it to Rob and stuff, so we just doubled it up at the end and then with the talking part at the end. But, I mean, lyrically, I mean, the the name says it all. Yep. It's finally coming to grips with, mm-hmm. the, you know, with everything that you've experienced, you know, from the beginning to the end. Um, so the lyrics are were written, with, you know, for, for a reason. Sure. You know, with, the, with the cause. But, yeah. um, you know, I, I, I'm glad that you heard that as far as, you know, feeling some type of hope because I think that's really, you know, what we were going for and, and, and it's nice to know that it translated, but you know, um, yeah, it was, it was really interesting. You know, as I sat, I, I sat with the record the whole way through the first time I listened to it. And, and I mentioned that sort of agitation that I felt with, you know, early on in the yeah. record and it's like, Oh, come on. Yeah. Right. And then at the end I, I had a deep breath. It right. was just like, huh. Right. You know, because it just t- you you took me all the way to that that's awesome. that right. place. It was it was pretty cool, and I haven't had a record do that in a long time. That that's was oh, that you. was pretty cool. Yeah, Misery and Woe. That me personally, that's my favorite song on the yeah. track, and uh, it just has so many different dynamics to that song. Uh, if you really listen to it closely, you can pick up on each section. Uh, Robert's voice does mm-hmm. he does something different. It's almost like he's this then this and then this, you got the different five section. different singers you wanted right yeah. <laughs> yeah i mean he really he really does have you know everything that we want mm-hmm. you know from a singer and 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 he, he does all of them well which is you know some people can't really pull off right stuff. and i think even on um you know some of the earlier tracks uh, i think even a mournful pack towards the end he gets a little guttural mm-hmm. you know what i mean you can even, yeah and that was no that was no effects i mean that's that's rob and and I was actually surprised. I was, Did you put that out to him as the idea that no, you wanted for those? Not. And he, he just he ran with that. that. Yeah, wow. he, he came up with that. He's just like, let me try this and wow. try this. And then all of a sudden he was, he was doing something that I've never heard him do. So and then, there's, just, there's yeah. so many, you know, Rob has very, a lot of, you know, a lot to offer as far as that goes. And, and uh, with this album, I think we really needed that. Because I think just one-sided would never have worked. Yeah. You know, just I think he he brought a lot, and he really brought the album to life, in mm-hmm. my opinion. I mean, oh, it, yeah. it brought something that was, you know, good, and it brought it, in my opinion, to, to being great. Yeah. You know, and, and I think that's what this album deserved. Absolutely. I mean, and that's why we, you know, we, we chose to go with this route. Mm-hmm. You know? 
Matt, you talked a little bit about that acoustic solo in uh, Misery, but then you also had a really sharp, clean solo at the end of To Grips. Talk a little bit about how you sort of thought through those solos and how they fit with those songs. Yeah, on Misery and Woe, you know, like I said, that's my favorite song on the album uh, as a whole, not just because of the guitar solo, but the whole time I was trying to work up this really flashy full-on metal guitar solo mm-hmm. with, you know, delay. Yeah. It was going to be really emotional yep. and lots of some fast runs. Yeah. You know, it's kind of a long section for a solo. It is. And there's a key change in that solo. And so it kind of, there's a, there's a dynamic changeover in that song right at that point. And I was, you know, working up a part and I you know, talked to Brad on the phone. And he goes, he goes, man, you got to do an acoustic solo. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm not doing an acoustic solo, you know? And, uh, but I'm like, all right, well, I'll try it. And then it's like, Papa Doom was right, man. He, <laughs> he, his suggestions are usually always spot on. And after I played it and worked out the parts, and, and I'm like, and then we're in a drop tuning, you know, mm-hmm. we're in a low tuning on right. electric guitars, yep. and then you can't get an acoustic guitar to drop that low without right. the strings flopping, you know, and <laughs> or the neck's going to bust apart, right. you know, not enough tension on yep. it. And, and so I had to play that in a different position mm-hmm. in order to keep it in key with the, the album. Sure. But uh, once it was on there, I mean... I was like, Brad was right. I, I like it. It adds a whole different dynamic to the yeah. song. It, it gives me chills every time I hear that solo. Yeah. I mean, I'm, that'll always be my favorite part of the album, just that part right there. It's it's really unexpected, yeah. and and it really does add to that sort of depth of the, yeah, the misery. That, yeah. that, that mood of, of misery and woe it really brings it to a, to an almost like a somber feel. You mm-hmm. know, it's a, it just gives it something that you weren't expecting. And I think that's what music, that was what we wanted to do. Yeah. I don't think we want people to expect mm-hmm. everything. And, and that's exactly, I think, why we're, you know, working on the new album. I think we're, we have a lot of surprises, you know, um, on the next album. And, and so I, I just, I mean, that solo for me is just the bee's knees. <laughs> yeah, and to, and to grips, you know, the, I thought, you know, it's an aggressive you know, it's a part where the, the song really maybe you should do the guitar mouth stuff. <laughs> yeah, we'll switch. I'm telling you, you guys, I'm, we're recording this right now. We're going to come up with a song by the end of the night. If we just add all the stuff that you do and add it. Can I add a derp to derp in there? Yes. A little wah wah. A little wah wah. But you know, it's just what, you know, it's a faster part onto grips and it's an aggressive part. And, you know, every other, I'm trying to think the beginning of that solo. Singing in my head. I don't think I used a wah on that pedal. Uh, yeah. Wah pedal on that solo. It sounded really clean. I mean, it sounded yeah. like a really clean. So I, I just, I don't know. I just wanted to do something non wah, something a little more line, long lines of what I would usually play mm-hmm. uh, in other groups and other bands. And it seemed, it seemed to fit. Yet I still wanted to retain a melodic sense. I don't mm-hmm. want to overplay, you mm-hmm. know, try to, something that fits the song. So and that's really the thing that we had, you know, some struggles with as far as. <laughs> you know, overplaying things. Mm-hmm. You know? And, you know, we, we kept going back to that formula of less is more. Yeah. You know, because it's not about how many notes you can stuff into this riff, and it's really about, you know, having a lot of openness for for Rob's vocals to shine through. Right. But then enough to keep the listener interested, Yeah. you know, with, with the songs. Um, so, I mean, it, it's, it's a hard thing to really, you know, balance everything out mm-hmm. to have, you know, strong songs and you know, good lyrics. And for me, it's, you know, it's about, um, you know, 
remembering words. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like for me, I think big, strong choruses are, are you know, what makes or breaks good mm-hmm. albums too. Yep. If you if there's nothing to that you you know remember, you know, it's you know there's a lot of great bands out there, but they never do anything that I, I remember. Right. There's no you know no, no standout re- repetition. There's mm-hmm. nothing, and I didn't want this album to just be you know, non, you know, rememberable. Yeah. You know, like I, I didn't want this to come across as just one sided flat to where, you know, you just listen to it and you go, oh, all right, well, mm-hmm. yeah. You guys have talked about wanting to do some, some live work. What are, what are you planning? What's the future look like in the short term for you guys? Well, right now in the short term, uh, we moved into a rehearsal studio a couple of weeks ago. And so right now, Brad and I are just going to, Ash the songs and make sure we don't suck at them, and, so to speak. <laughs> and uh, hopefully the FCC doesn't get me on that one. <laughs> We're good on that one. Yeah, okay. <laughs> but uh, uh, work those up and get them, t- you know, to our standards of playing. Because, like Brad said, it's been years. It's, mm-hmm. You know, we've never jammed yeah, we together. Never we've never played all of them together. Yeah. So I'm at home working in all my spare time. I got calluses built up with my fingers finally. Yeah. Uh, you know, Brad's going in on his own time to the studio and working mm-hmm. on the songs on his own. We'll get together once a week and then we'll bring in the other other two touring members, uh, mm-hmm. Kyle yeah. and Brian. Yeah, so for live, so for the recording stuff, it's just going to be me, Matt, and, and Rob. Mm-hmm. You know, this is kind of like that's mm-hmm. the core of this band. But um, we have some really great musicians that are going to help us with live shows and um, the, the touring in the future. And um, so on uh, on the guitar... And probably backing vocals, um, we're going to have uh, our friend uh, Brian Hubner from the band Cold Colors. Mm-hmm. And then on bass, um, Kyle Blenklesch. Um, he plays in a band called uh, Living Through Ghosts, um, both great bands, um, Doom Death um, and Melodic. I mean, they're both great bands, and I think they'll do really well for us. And, you know, they're easy to work with, and so we're going to eventually work them into learning the songs and then we're also going um i think we're going to be doing some some solitude eternus candle mass songs to build up our um our set list because we only have you know this album so if only you guys knew somebody in those bands i know yeah. <laughs> I, should, I should contact somebody on facebook yeah <laughs> so yeah so we have you know we have a lot of things coming up but we have you know uh, brian and kyle uh helping us out live and so, you know, in the next few weeks, we're going to get them in and start working on stuff. So we're hoping the fall we're going to be doing some shows um, in the U.S. and then um, hopefully some stuff overseas next year. And so we have a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff coming up. And Matt and I are working on some ideas for the new album. I have about, well, definitely two songs written lyrically for mm-hmm. the new album. Um, working on a couple others, too. So, um Everything's going pretty well. That's great. Yeah, working on what we have now and working mm-hmm. on stuff for the future. Uh, so, we'll, you know, regarding Robert, he'll he he'll either fly into the shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll work with the tracks that he has vocally and play along to those in our studio. I mean, mm-hmm. he doesn't have to be there, you know, for us to work the songs up. It obviously would be nice if he was. Sure. But, and uh, hopefully sometime in the near future, we'll be a lot closer, mm-hmm. way closer than uh, geographically. Than yeah. we are geographically. But yeah. Just, stuff takes time. Sure. You know. And how do you, what's your vision for a grief collector live show? I mean, how do you want to craft that experience on stage? Lots of smoke. (laughs) Fire pots. Lots of fog. Yeah. Lots of fog. Yeah. (laughs) Um, You know, we've, we've talked a little bit about it. Um, You know, we, we can't, 
don't want to give away too much, but um, you know, it's it's we definitely want it to be visually exciting as well mm-hmm. as musically exciting. You know, there's for me, there's nothing worse than just four guys going on stage and you know talking about how their day was in between songs right. and stuff like that. For me, I've always been a, uh, been a fan of uh, you know a show. Mm-hmm. You know, and and to me, this album kind of is a show. You know, it's it's a story per se. And then you know, adding in some of the Candlemass stuff and the Solitude stuff, I think it'll really give everybody, you know, what they want. You know, they'll mm-hmm. give them, you know, some new stuff, and they'll, you know, we can go stuff into the Rob's catalog and, and show them, you know, because he's he's got many 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 songs that are amazing that we want, you know, we want to play live mm-hmm. and show. We have to fight over which ones we're going to do. <laughs> That's probably the only thing we'll fight about. <laughs> That's a good problem to have, to yeah, have a big yeah, catalog yeah. like that to play around with is, yeah. is really pretty cool. But with that said, you know, Grief Collector will be the focus. Yeah. Uh, and Has, those opportunities when we, you know, have to play longer mm-hmm. only makes sense to do the, you know, some of Rob's back catalog because we know sure. fans want to hear that. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. I want to hear that. Yeah. I want to see it. <laughs> I want to play it. <laughs> I bet. How uh, has Rob been involved in creating any of the new songs or is he working on some tracks to go along with the things you guys are developing? Um, no, not really. I mean, it's still um, kind of early in the process. Yeah, I mean, sure. it's still really early. I mean, like I said, I've written two, two sets of lyrics for two new songs, whether they make it onto the album is is questionable mm-hmm. I haven't, we haven't really discussed you know for me i just write them for myself and yeah. if they you know fall onto the album that's great um you know matt and i really just started um writing uh, a new song the beginning uh last week but we've had a lot of riffs thrown back and forth mm-hmm. and so it's just a lot of piecing together stuff and you know we'll send them to rob and and see what he thinks so it, it's it's a collaboration for sure but you know um just, you know just to get the basic of the idea down yep. before we share it with sure. like Robert. And I'm sure mm-hmm. that once he hears that, he'll have suggestions mm-hmm. and go back and tweak things around. The nice thing this time is we won't be in Brad's apartment doing it. Right. We'll actually be there with live drums and me with a guitar yeah. and pounding out the, trying the new ideas. Mm-hmm. And so that'll be, hopefully that will produce something organic as well. But I really like the way the, from Ascension to uh, a vowel came, was written. Yeah. Just to think about it was, in a basement apartment mm-hmm. uh, on the couch with a small little practice amp and Brad tapping on his legs. And, and now we're actually in the studio with the real thing. So yeah, it's kind of cool. Absolutely. That's great. So obviously you've got a lot of big things coming along the way. What are some of the things that you have to sort of do to get ready for all of that? I mean, there's like a huge going to Europe to play festivals and touring. There's a fair amount of infrastructure you got to build for that, right? Yeah, I mean, because we, you know, Matt and I have normal jobs, you know, we, <laughs> we work nine to fives and, and stuff. So it's not that easy just to get up and, you know, uh, throw a monkey wrench into our lives. You know, there's yeah. a lot of planning of, uh, involved in that. Family, too. I mean, sure. Yeah. It's like- but, I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, that's really, you know, it's, it's, it's a dream for us to mm-hmm. even have this be an option. So... Um, you know, our first goal right now is to do some shows in the U.S. Um, you know, they, I want—I don't want people to think that, you know, Grief Collector is just something that they hear on a CD. Mm-hmm. I want, you know, I want them to be able to see what we can do live. I want—I want to show them that, you know, this is a real band. This is, you know, something that's, you know, happening. This yeah, is not, you know, not just a studio project. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> and so, how do people? keep track of you where do we send people to learn more about what you guys are doing 
Uh, we're on basically two main sites. One, of course, Facebook. Mm-hmm. We post updates at least once a week. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other is Bandcamp. That's where we've released our album. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you like to support the band and purchase an album or download, that's really the best place where it's more, most beneficial to us. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also feel like it's beneficial to the, the, the buyer, to the fans, too, because yeah. say you buy a, a CD... You get the CD, and you also get the free a download free. So mm-hmm. you have the MP3s or the WAV files of the same album, so you don't have to rip that in your computer. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, of course, we're on all the Spotify's and iHeart Radios, and you know, all your typical streaming sites. Uh, but if you really want to support the band, uh, a larger percentage of that of whatever you spend on your band actually comes comes from Bandcamp, like through Spotify, where it's you know. Ten to thousands of a penny per play, you know. Yeah. So it's so anyway, just throwing that out there. That's great. No, that that's good, and we'll make sure that we put uh, links to all that on the show website so that people can can find you. Uh, I mean, Bandcamp is obviously one of the biggest ways that bands are releasing their music these yeah. days, right. outside of you know huge bands that have major label distribution. Yes. Right. Um, but uh, you know, that's an interesting question too. With with Robert in the field, mm-hmm. you know, in, in the fold, so to speak, as well as his management uh, being supportive of what you guys are doing together, mm-hmm. is that a path forward potentially? Uh, we've been talking with um, a few labels, um, one more in particular mm-hmm. um, recently. So nothing we can really talk about at the moment as far as real information, but. Um, we've talked with them a little bit, um, had some video chat with them, uh, about, uh, what they want, what mm-hmm. we want, you know, what we're looking for and what they're looking for as far as the future of grief collector. And so there's things in the works. Um, but our ultimate goal, I think is getting grief collector on the road and, and showing people, you know, this band is, you know, is a force to be reckoned with mm-hmm. and that, you know, I, I want, I want this to be live and I want mm-hmm. people to to you know feel these songs yeah and and see what this is actually about you know rather than just hearing the album and Mm -hmm. you know for me i i you know you can do as much as you want in the studio and you can put effects and whatever but you know live is really where bands either shine or they or they fall apart and you know i've seen some of the best not really that great you know so i think um our main focus right now is getting this live and then in between we'll be writing the new album Mm -hmm. is there are there any chances for local fans to see you uh perform anytime soon maybe some planned right now but of course we want to play locally when when the when the time is when the time comes yeah Yeah. i think definitely once we're ready to play i think that the that will definitely be laid on the table for, Mm -hmm. for people to come see so guys this has been fantastic Oh, thank you. This yeah. has really been a Appreciate great, a much. great conversation. Very honored to be here. <laughs> well, you. it's been great to have you, and and we want to make sure that we get everybody a chance to to hear more of your stuff. So we'll put all the links uh, to your Bandcamp and to your Facebook on the uh, show page. We're also going to archive uh, the show, so it'll be available for people to uh, listen later via SoundCloud. So there are lots of ways for people to continue to hear awesome. uh, what you guys are doing. Uh, uh, thank you for supporting in- independent music. Absolutely, it's, it's huge. Matt Johnson, Brad Miller from Grief Collector, thanks so much for spending the time with us. Thank you. All right, you've been listening to Blast Beats and Bicycles here at 91.7 FM, McAllister College Radio in St. Paul, Minnesota. We're going to take things out with Dog Catcher by Vibecorp.
blast beats and bites Down at McAllister College I'm putting off of my city like she puts on nail polish No way, go ahead, they on their wallets They want it, they drink like alcoholics Going in abolish, I come through on the stage No, I misbehave, I'm coming out the cage Got a cover like rage And if they want to come back Then they know that they heard it Cause when I got that energy, I'm gonna disperse it Coming at ya, we coming at ya. Chilling with my dogs, they call it the dog catcher. We coming at ya, we coming at ya. Chilling with my dogs, they call it the dog catcher. Last beats and bites, say what they like, I'm out best. No wait, just like rifle, they grab the rifle, so insightful, come and go collect it. Cause they didn't know they bred farm and throw an interception. If they want to come with it, I spit it, I get specific, I get prolific. They are eclipsing, they miss it, I'm double fisting, I christen, I'm forgiven. It's God given, I'm coming to spit the sickness. We coming at ya, we coming at ya. Chilling with my dogs, they calling a dog catcher. We coming at ya, we coming at ya. Chilling with my dogs, they calling a dog catcher. Is this metal enough for the show yet, Jay? Coming at ya. Chilling with my dogs, they calling the dog catcher. We coming at ya. 